up front this morning that our hearts are open to hear from you. Challenge us, Lord. Show us ourselves. Lord, let us, like James says, Lord, when we look in the Word, see it as a mirror showing us who we are. But help us, Lord, not just to be hearers, but to be doers of the world. Word, not deceiving ourselves as walking away from the mirror and forgetting what we saw. This morning we open ourselves and we say, Speak, Lord Jesus, your servant heareth. Father, I ask you this morning to wear me like a glove. Lord, I pray you'd be the substance of all that said. That people would see Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They would see the cross. They would see you. That, Lord, beyond my words, Lord God, they would hear your voice. We promise at the end of this service that we will give you all the praise and all the glory. Lord, let us not be the same. For we pray this in Jesus' name and everyone say, Amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together as you take your seat this morning. What an awesome God we serve. Amen. All right. Well, this is part three of a four-part series called In Pursuit. In Pursuit. We started uh, two weeks ago with the idea that everyone wants to be happy and in many cases are pursuing the wrong things, hoping that those things will bring happiness, only to find that they cannot. Sometimes they pursue people. Sometimes they pursue positions. Sometimes they pursue possessions. But whatever it is that they pursue, God never designed anything outside of Himself to bring us happiness. Amen. Um, And then, two weeks uh, ago, we recognize that, you know, Jesus told us exactly what we need to pursue. You remember the first thing was that we needed to pursue the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And then last week, we said not only do we need to pursue the kingdom of God, meaning His rulership in our lives, but we also needed to pursue righteousness. Righteousness. Meaning this, this continuous changing to become more like Jesus. That our hearts needed to be submitted and soft and pliable and ready to be touched by God. Uh, we landed on the scripture in Romans 14, verse 17, which is basically our, our, our foundation scripture for this series. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we're following a pattern here. The kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy. And so to continue following that pattern, today we're going to speak about pursuing peace. Pursuing peace. Next week we'll end the series with pursuing joy. Amen? Pursuing peace and then pursuing joy. Now peace is critical because you can't have joy without having peace. Amen? Nobody's happy if they're not peaceful. So you can't have joy without peace. Um, However, the issue with peace a lot of times is our own definition of peace. Because in our minds, most of us, peace is simply the absence of conflict. And so there are many people who manufacture peace by avoiding conflict. 
But that's not real peace. Because real peace can't exist if something needs to be dealt with, but is undealt with. We brush it under the... Some of us grew up in houses like that, in homes like that, where everything was brushed under the rug. And because it was hidden, there was... Uh, the, the, it looked like it was peace, but it wasn't peace. Some people on the other hand, um, they think peace happens when they're at peace, even if everybody else isn't. So how they deal with stuff is simply this. Hey, guess what? I'm not at peace. So I just explode. Everybody else gets hurt in the explosion, but at least I got that off my chest. They've been giving people a piece of their mind for so long, they hardly have any left. And so peace is, a lot of times for us, peace is wrongly defined. And because it's wrongly defined, we think we have peace when we really don't. Uh, peace is a very, very powerful word in the Bible and in Jewish culture, right? In Hebrew culture. In fact, in, in Hebrew culture, every time they greet and every time they say farewell, they use peace as the word. The word they use is the word shalom. Shalom. Um, shalom is a very interesting word because shalom means much more than what peace means in our definition. A lot of times for us, because peace is something that we see as the absence of conflict, we think that peace is something that happens to us. In other words, we see peace as something that's very passive. As if we just uh, keep our cool, then we'll have peace. If we just let things happen, then we'll have peace. In the Hebrew language, because of what peace means, peace is something more active, it's something more aggressive, it's something that, that, that takes effort. It's something that actually means you have to move towards it. It's not something that's going to happen all by itself. Are you with me so far? So peace is not something that happens to us. Peace is something we make happen. I'm going to say that again. Peace is not something that happens to us. Peace is something we make happen. Here's what shalom means. Shalom means wholeness in your life and body. Harmony in your relationships. Prosperity, success, and fulfillment in your endeavors. And victory over your enemies. Um, None of these happen to you without your participation. Um, we know that because, let's just take the first one, wholeness in your life and body. Um, if, if you're like me, you know wholeness in your body takes a whole lot of work. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my gosh. Okay, have you ever wondered why is it that five minutes running is not like the same length of time as five minutes sleeping in? Like five minutes, like when I hit snooze on, on the alarm clock, it's like, you know, five minutes. I'm thinking like, oh gosh, oh, please don't ring. Like before you know it, I'm up again, right? When I'm running, five minutes see you a long time. But that's what it takes. Wholeness in your life and body. Some of us like, we need to dig in and say, hey, which parts of our life is not whole? It takes work to have peace. Uh, harmony in your relationships. How many of you know that takes work? 
prosperity and success and fulfillment in your endeavors. That takes work. Victory over your enemies. That takes a lot of work. Amen? So peace, therefore, in, in our definition today, peace means wholeness, harmony, prosperity, and victory. Wholeness, harmony, prosperity, and victory. I'll read a scripture out of First Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 10. It says this, For the scripture says, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Right? If you want to enjoy life, if you want to be happy, listen, here's what, here's the secret. Turn away from evil and do good. Then he says this, search for peace. One, one version says, pursue peace. Pursue peace. That's effort. It takes work. Watch it. Pursue peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and His ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. And so today, we're going to talk about three areas in our lives that we need to pursue peace. One, we need to pursue peace with God. We need to pursue peace within ourselves. And we need to pursue peace with others. Pursue peace with God. Pursue peace within ourselves. And pursue peace with others. Um... Pursuing peace with God. When you pursue peace with God, this is the foundation of all peace. If you don't have peace with God, you won't have the peace of God. All right. Now that was deep, Pastor. I like that. That was real good right there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> you know, in order to have the peace of God, you have to have peace with God. Somebody go, God, give me peace. God, give me peace. We're not walking in peace with Him. Are you with me? You've got to have peace with God in order to have the peace of God. Um, the, the foundation of all peace is your peace with God. So you can't be at peace if you're not at peace with God. And last week we spoke about righteousness. Well, righteousness means to be at peace with God. Look at Romans 5 verse 1. I'm going to put it on the screen here. Romans 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, having been... Justified, you remember that word from last week, just as if I'd never sinned. Having been justified, right? God sees me as just as if I've never sinned. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is justification that gives us peace with God. If we're not righteous in God's eyes, then we have no peace. So we've got, remember the jumping. If we're not there already, if we're not already um, meeting the standards of God, we can't have the peace of God. We can't have peace with Him. So He says, here's the thing. I'm going to make you righteous. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because I've made you righteous, we now have peace. Because I cannot have peace with unrighteousness. I cannot have peace with sinfulness. I cannot have peace with wickedness. And so therefore, I have to make you righteous in order to have peace with you. Following so far. And that's why sometimes, if you grew up in a church like mine, where you had an altar call and people came down to the front, you used to have this one or two people who every Sunday would come to the altar. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Every Sunday. You'd be thinking, didn't Brother Jones go up last week? And Brother Jones go up every week. 
Every week, Brother Jones is up there. Oh, yes, Lord. I mean, you know, the altar call is, you know, salvation. Those who want to accept Christ come up. And he said, I thought, he's been coming to church like for five years and he's still going up to the altar every week. What's wrong with Brother Jones? Brother Jones has not gotten a revelation that he's justified. He's not gotten the revelation that he is the righteousness of God. And so what happens to Brother Jones is every time Brother Jones sin, Brother Jones thinks he has to get justified again. So Brother Jones goes to the altar to get saved all over again. Not realizing that Jesus died once and for all, for all sins. Hallelujah. That's awesome right there. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says it this way. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Watch this. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. It says the punishment. You see, God needed to punish somebody for our sins. God needed to punish for our sins because God cannot allow sin to get away without the penalty. The penalty for sin is death. Look, when an infraction is committed, it's got to have... We tell this to our kids all the time. Look, you, there are consequences to your actions. If you do wrong, you're going to get punished. If you don't do that to your kids, that's why your kid's bad. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. And let me tell you something. You've got to make sure, parenting advice, right? You've got to make clear, these are the behavior, this is the consequence. Do this, get that. And guess what? Don't back off. Don't threaten what you don't plan to do. Be serious. Because we train our kids how to behave around us. Man, if you tell your kid you're leaving in five minutes from the neighbor's house, hey, we're going to leave in five minutes, and you get in a conversation with the neighbor, and 30 minutes later is when you leave, every time you say we're leaving in five minutes, guess what they think? It's 30 minutes. Don't get upset. You train them. So if you threaten to punish and do not punish, you have just trained them, I can do this and get away with it. That Guess what? Mommy and daddy's words don't mean anything. Well, God isn't like that. <laughs> God says, guess what? Sin, there's a consequence. And so we are awaiting the consequence for sin and Jesus comes in and Jesus takes the punishment for us. And in taking the punishment for us, we don't take the punishment to ourselves. When um, my kids were little, Amanda and Joshua, um, there was a, a doll that they used to have, uh, Amanda used to have. And um, yes, it was Amanda, okay? Just clarifying. <laughs> Let me just clarify, it was Amanda's doll. But they, were used, they used to always play around with it and pop the head off. And it was so difficult to get the doll's head back on the doll. Right, very, very difficult. So one day, I, because they'd always there, pop the head off, Daddy, can you? Okay, so one day I said, listen, Listen. If anybody pops the head of this doll off one more time, they're getting a spanking. I don't care who. I am tired of putting this doll head back on this doll. I'm done. Do you understand? Yes, daddy. 
Well, next day, come home, guess what? I'm like, who did this? Well, I have two different kind of kids. I have Amanda, who, Amanda, um, at that time, wasn't too quick to confess. And then I had Josh. Josh at that time would confess to anything. <laughs> so I'm standing there going, who did this? And nobody's saying anything. And I'm getting upset now. I'm saying, alright, look, I'm giving you three. Somebody better tell me who did this in three. One, two. Josh said, I did! So I said, okay. I said, good. I said, come Josh. So I spanked Josh, man. Sent him to his room. Josh is crying. You know, and I go over to my room. I said, good. Right? I show them who's daddy. Drag. <laughs> so Josh is crying. Josh is going on. Amanda comes in the room. Daddy. Yes, Amanda. I have something to tell you. What? I was the one that did it. You know what, Amanda? Just go to your room. I just I can't bother. Just go to your room. <laughs> you know what happened? I already punished somebody for it. I couldn't bother to punish anybody else. It was done. Guess what? The consequence was finished. I was over. Because um, Joshua took the punishment that brought Amanda peace. Parenting ain't perfect, babe. <laughs> Parenting ain't perfect. So being with, at peace with God, though, is not just a positional thing, such like being a citizen. Uh, it's also a relational thing, such as being in fellowship. And when we sin, we don't lose our position, but we affect our fellowship. Now this is very important for you to understand. Because we disrupt the peace in our fellowship with the Father, even though we don't lose our position with the Father. Sorry, Pastor, what do you mean? Um, Jesus told a story one time. He said there was a, a, a man, he had two sons. And the young of the two sons came to the man and said, Hey, Father, I want the inheritance that is due to me right now. Now, first of all, that statement by itself is such an insult if you're living in Israel because the only time you actually got your inheritance was after somebody died. And nobody don't give the inheritance before they die. It's like a will. So they, they leave the stuff for the children. So basically when he said, look, I want the inheritance. No, what he was saying is, I want to pretend you dead. Give me what is mine from now. You might as well be dead to me. The father gives him. And the boy runs off. Here's the thing. We call him the prodigal son. Because he still remained a son. Though the fellowship between him and the father was broken. He was living a wasteful, that's what prodigal means, a wasteful life. He was away from the father, and because he was away from the father, and the fellowship was broken, he had no peace. It wasn't that his position had changed. 
but it was that his fellowship had changed. And because the fellowship was broken, he lived outside the peace, the protection, the provision of the Father. The issue with us is that sometimes we are positionally right with God, but fellowship, we have, have broken the fellowship with God. And so we're living a life that does not reflect the kind of relationship we ought to have with God. Are you following me? And that's why we can, we can be saved and still not have peace. 1 John 1 verse 5 says it this way, This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. Watch this. If we claim to have fellowship, fellowship, fellowship with Him, and yet walk in darkness, we lie. What? Not trip in darkness, not fall in darkness and get back up again. No, that's not what it's about. He's talking about you walking in. This is light. This is darkness. You walking over here. He says, man, if you walking over here and you claim to be tight with God, you claim that you and God are like this. Your Facebook page shows all kinds of you know things, you know, prayers and God. And you're quoting all kinds of people and you're putting stuff up all the time. And that, uh, but you walking in darkness. He says, you lie. You lie. (laughs) Do not live out the truth. Here's what he says. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Our fellowship with God happens when we walk in in the light. Now here's what he says. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So here's the deal. There are two deceptions here. One is if you walk in darkness and, and tell people, hey, me and God tight. He says, that's a lie. He says, but if you're walking in the light and you pretend like you've never sinned, you lie too. Hey. He says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to, watch this, forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In other words, here's what He's saying. Confession gets us back in the light. Confession gets us back in the light. And what happens, what tears our fellowship apart, is not that we step out into the darkness, but what happens is that we step out in the darkness and we don't confess. So here's what keeps happening. Our hearts over time gets harder and harder and harder towards the light because we get used to the darkness. Here's what it said about Jesus. Jesus came into the world, it says. He came as the light of the world. But men preferred the darkness to light. And as a Christian, we can get to the place where, you know what confession does? It keeps our hearts soft. Confession isn't there because God hasn't forgiven us of our sins. Confession is there to keep our hearts sensitive to the Lord. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a thing we tell our kids, uh, we used to tell our kids a lot. We said, if you mess up, fess up. If you mess up, Fess up. Why? Because we don't want to hear from anybody else what you did wrong. You better tell us yourself. Fess up if you mess up. uh, My old pastor used to say this. He used to say, keep short accounts with God. In other words, 
Don't sin and let it wait too long before you come back to God. Come back immediately as soon as you can. As soon as things come to your mind, say, oh God, man, I forgive me. What was I thinking? Talk right away. Keep your account short with God. Because if you do that, then you're going to keep yourself in the light. So when you mess up, fess up, keep short accounts with God. Amen? And so that's how you stay in fellowship with God. That's how you stay in the light. That's how you maintain your peace with God. It takes work. It takes work. It's not something that happens to you. It's something that you're going to have to make happen. Here's the second thing. You've got to pursue peace within yourself. Pursue peace within yourself. There are three ways to do that. First of all, let His peace rule your heart. Let His peace rule your heart. Colossians 3.15 says this, And let the peace of God rule your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Right? Let the peace of God rule your heart. In other words, don't allow your situations to determine your peace. You are the one who determines the level of your peace. I tell people all the time, Look, your response is nobody else's fault. It's yours. I don't care what they do to you. How you react is how you choose to react. You've got to take responsibility over your own reactions. You can either be like um, a, a thermometer or you can be like a thermostat. Now they sound alike. They sound a lot alike. They have some things on there that's the same. They have degrees and everything, right? They have the thermal. On the front end, right? But a thermometer is something that measures temperature. A thermostat is something that controls temperature. The job of a thermometer is to react to its circumstances. The job of the thermometer is to determine its circumstances. The circumstance, the environment responds to a thermometer. To a thermostat. A thermometer responds to its environment. We have a choice. We can either be a thermometer and allow what's going on around us to determine the level of our peace. Or we can bring peace to our circumstances and cause the circumstance to respond to us. And whenever things come up in our lives, we need to ask ourselves, am I being a thermometer right now or am I being a thermostat? Am I bringing the change to this or is it, am I allowing it to bring change to me? Is it Romans 8, 6 says that those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, that's thermostat right there. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit Control your mind leads to life and peace. If the Holy Spirit is controlling your heart, your mind, it leads to peace. We gotta let His peace rule our hearts. Here's the second thing we gotta let His word rule our minds. Let His word rule your mind. In other words, when we see our situations, we have to ask ourselves this question What does God say about this? What does God say about this? What's the truth versus what's the facts? So the fact is, up here on this stage, that behind me, it's black. But I can paint that green, and all of a sudden the facts change. Facts are changeable. Truth is not. You can't change the truth. And so you need to hear, what has God said to me? Because whatever God has said is unchangeable. He says, my word will not return to me void. 
Here's what um, Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. How many of you know that's a promise we don't like? In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Here's what he's saying. If you remember the words I've spoken to you, when tribulation comes, you'll have peace. If you'll hold on to the words I've said, when tribulation comes, you'll have peace. In other words, if you want unshakable peace, go back to what he said to you. What did God say? When everything around you is chaotic, only what he said will bring you peace. You can't look at the facts. You have to look at the truth. You can't look at the facts. Let let me tell you something. He said, you are healed. The truth is, you are the head and not the tail. The truth is, you are blessed coming in and blessed going out. The truth is, your cupboards are filled and blessed and prosperous. The truth is you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The truth is that God always leads you into victory in Christ Jesus. The truth is you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The truth is who God has put together, let no man put... Come on now, that's the truth. That's the truth. And you got to hold on to that. Because you know there's an old song that you say, Whose report will you believe? And everyone used to say, We shall believe the report of the Lord. You can't listen to the report of the enemy. You've got to listen to the report of the Lord. What does God say? Because in the midst of your struggle, only one thing keeps your heart still. And that is, what did God say? Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands for Him this morning. Amen. So His Word in your mind is the thermostat you need to change your atmosphere. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You, this is God, God, He's talking about God. He says, God, you will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts you. God says, I will personally take responsibility to keep you in peace if you will keep your mind on me. If you will keep your mind on me. Listen, I was teaching Sian how to ride a bicycle last summer. And so Sian is like six years old at the time, you know, and, and I'm teaching her how to ride. And she's on the bicycle, and I'm up the road, and I'm sweating because I have to run with the bicycle like this, right? And she's on the bicycle, and she's there, and she's like, Daddy, don't let go, Daddy, don't let go, right? And I'm running behind her, right? And then her, her mom would be down, I'd, I'd say, okay, Sian, uh, you see mommy? She says, yes. I say, Sian, keep your eyes on mommy. I say, don't look, don't look. At, at the, uh, don't look at the, what do you call it? At the mailbox. Yeah, yeah. Don't look at the mailbox. Don't look at the sidewalk. Don't look at the car that we're passing. The cars weren't passing us. The car was parked. <laughs> I'm not going to teach her to drive, ride in traffic. Come on, guys. All right. Don't, don't look at the fire hydrant. Please don't look at the fire hydrant. Look at mommy. Why? Because where you look is where you're going. Keep your mind on Him and you'll keep your heart in peace. Keep your mind on Him and you'll keep your heart in peace. Don't look at the circumstance. Look at your God. Amen? Here's the last thing. You've got to keep 
His praise. Let His praise rule your lips. Let His praise rule your lips. Right? We said we're going to let, let His peace rule our hearts. Let His word rule our mind. Well, we're going to let His praise rule our lips. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Look, if you keep thanking God, God says, my peace will fall on you. If you keep saying, thank you, Lord. God says, my peace will envelop you. If you complain, you won't have peace. But if you praise, you'll get peace. Listen, you got to keep thanking Him. Regardless of what's going on. The Bible says, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. you got to give thanks. You say, but pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I know I don't. But God does. And he says, regardless of what you're going through, give me thanks. Don't give me thanks for it. Give me thanks in spite of it. Give me thanks in spite of it. Say, God, I'm not having a good time right now, but I thank you that I have breath, I have life. I thank you that your mercies are renewed every morning. I thank you that favor surrounds me like a shield. I thank you, Lord God, that all things work together for good to them who love you. And God, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Watch the peace coming. Peace coming. Peace coming. Peace coming. Hallelujah. Lastly, God have peace with God. Have peace within ourselves. But here's the last thing. God have peace with others. Can I tell you something? If there's any area that requires work, it's this one. This is the one that requires the most work. You know why? Because the other two are private. Man, I don't know if you have peace with God. Only you know if you have peace with God. I don't know if you have peace with yourself. Only you know if you have peace with yourself. But peace with others? Well, I can tell. Yeah, them two, they, they ain't talking. I can tell. Ephesians 4, verse 2 to 3 says this. This is powerful. Here's it. Every word in here takes work. Listen to this. Always be humble. How many know that takes some work? Always be humble. Watch this next one. And gentle. Oh my gosh. Here's the worst one. Be patient with each other. Oh, it gets worse. It gets worse. Making allowance for each other's faults. Whoo! Because of your love. Here's what he says. Make every effort. How many of you know that sounds like some work right there? Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with Peace. It takes work. See, God loves peace. God hates division. Bible says in Psalm 133 that how blessed it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. And then it ends by saying, for there is where the Lord commands His blessing. Let me tell you something. Listen to this. God will always bless unity, but He will never bless division. Amen. God will never bless division, 
He will never bless the vision. That's why Jesus said, a house divided against itself shall not, shall not stand. And uh, so, so Jesus, one time, he was, he was talking to a group of people and he was telling them, uh, kind of dealing with this issue. And he said this, he said, look, if, if you've come walking all day with an animal to present as a sacrifice to God, and you walk, man, and you got to the line and the line is long, kind of like, like at Six Flags, you know, and you're standing there and you're waiting and the sun is hot and you're waiting and you're waiting and you get near the front and right up at the front, finally you get up there and you remember, wait a minute, me and Johnny had an argument yesterday and I cussed him out. Oh my gosh. He says, watch it, I'm going to read it. Matthew 5, 23, 24. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, no, remember, it's not like they had cars and they just drove up. This is like, it took them a long time to get here. And there remember that your brother has something against you. Not even that you had something against him. You just know there's a disagreement going on here. He says, tie the sheep up. <laughs> Put down the turtle dove. Take the grain offering and put it aside. Ask somebody, hold this for me. Leave it right there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother. And then come and offer your gift to God. Wow! He's saying, make sure that you have peace with your brother before you even come and offer anything to me. People were kind of insulted because they're saying, what? Are you saying put other people before God? No, here's what Jesus was saying. When you put other people first, you put God first. How you treat them is a reflection of how of the relationship you and I have. That's heavy. That's heavy. God was saying this. Here's the deal. I don't want your confession. I want your reconciliation. And most of us, when we are in disunity, when we have lost peace with one another, here's what we want to get with, away with. A confession to God. God, forgive me for cussing out Johnny yesterday. Hallelujah. Father, I feel so clean right now of all unrighteousness. And then when we see Johnny next day, we just go on like nothing happened. Hey, Johnny! Yeah! You know, I would pretend nothing happened. And Johnny's going, you hypocrite. We're ignoring reconciliation, trying to cover reconciliation with confession. God says, I don't want your confession. I want your reconciliation. Then we can talk confession after that. <laughs> Here's the thing. God loves unity, but Satan hates it. Satan hates unity. He hates peace. There is too much power when we walk in peace. And so therefore, he is always working to destroy peace. He is always working to destroy unity. He's always working to create uh, division among us. I want you to hear this. Peace cannot therefore happen by accident. Peace takes work. We have an adversary who is on the lookout for peace to destroy it. That's his job. 
That's why Romans 14.19 says, Therefore, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace. Every effort to do what leads to peace. Every effort to do. Matthew 5 verse 9 is where Jesus is talking about this issue. And here's what he says. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Peace is something you have to make. (laughs) Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Man, if we take take that and say, what's the opposite of a peacemaker? Opposite of a peacemaker is a troublemaker. So if we kind of put that in this scripture, we'd say it this way. Cursed are the troublemakers, for they shall be called sons of the devil. Mm. So you'll only work hard to bring about peace when God and His kingdom are more important to you than your feelings, than your rights, than your opinions, and then your agenda. When God is more important to you than your feelings, and your rights, and your opinions, and well, if he didn't do this, then I wouldn't have done that. And if she didn't say, and da 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 da, and what do you expect? And da da. Listen, that's how teenagers talk. Mm-hmm. I have two of them. Teenagers talk like that. Well, that if she if she didn't touch me first, I wouldn't have touched her. I didn't. If he didn't, well, he took this. Hey, 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 hey. No, y'all need to apologize. <laughs> Sorry. Man, as teenagers, man. Come on, we need to grow up. We need to grow up. And a part of growing up is saying, you know what? My feelings and my opinions and my agenda and my reputation, all that. Listen, I can put that down to put God's kingdom first. And so listen, man, I am sorry for what I did. Colossians 3.13, we'll end with this scripture. It says, make allowance for each other's faults, forgiving anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Anyone who offends you, remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. There's a quote by Andy Stanley, and it says this. I love this. It says, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But... In the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. Are you seeing your hurt in the shadow of your hurt or in the shadow of the cross? Are you seeing that offense in light of your feelings and your reputation and your agenda? and your, Or are you seeing it in light of the cross? Because in light of the cross... And you didn't deserve forgiveness either. But yet, He gave it to you. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me this morning. Because I believe that God wants to speak with you. Speak to you. And touch your heart.
what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? I, I want you to think and just hear in your heart what the Lord is saying. Peace is not passive. Peace takes work. So where do you need to have peace in your life this morning? Is it peace with God? Because maybe you you don't know Him or maybe you know Him but you're walking in darkness and you need to get your life back together again. Is it peace within yourself? Have you allowed your circumstances to dictate the way you're feeling and what's going on? And maybe you've missed, as it were, just some focus on Him, keeping your mind on Him. You said, you know what, God? I've allowed everything that's going on around me to focus me on it instead of you. I'm behaving like a thermometer. Lord, make me a thermostat. Or is it with people? Is there somebody you need to reconcile with? That this morning, even as I was speaking, they may have come to your mind. It's that person that you have these imaginary arguments with in your head. Where you prove that you're right and they're wrong. That's what I'm talking about. Is there somebody you need to ask for forgiveness or to let them know you've forgiven them? Whichever way God is dealing with your heart right now. And He's saying, I love peace too much to let you not address this issue. Hallelujah. Speak to us, Lord. I'll tell you what I I said last week applies today. Whatever God tells you to do, say yes, Lord. Just say yes, Lord. He'll work it out. Say yes, Lord. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, 